1: Welcome
2: to Suplexes and Cervezas with Chavo Guerrero junior I'm your host. Chavo Guerrero Jr. Hey guys, thanks for joining today. I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day and deciding to jump on the podcast. Today, I have ex-presidential candidate Andrew Yang on the show. You may ask, why does he have Andrew Yang on a wrestling podcast? Well, I'll tell you why. So Andrew Yang, not only being a pretty cool guy, as you're gonna hear, but he is an advocate for wrestlers not being independent contractors you may ask why is this important well for years wrestlers in the wrestling industry have been considered independent contractors and not employees why does this matter you ask so wrestlers at the highest organizations you can guess who that may be after they're flown into the city that they are wrestling in the wrestlers are responsible for renting their own rental cars and getting their own hotels and getting to the building on a certain time before getting fined. Why does this matter? Just think if a quarterback, like your favorite quarterback in the NFL, let's say Dak Prescott from the Dallas Cowboys, only using the Dallas Cowboys because that's my team. Don't turn off the podcast if that's not your team, <laughs> which half of America will probably be thinking about doing. But anyways, just think of Dak Prescott being flown into Philadelphia because they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles that night and the Dallas Cowboys saying, okay, Dak, go ahead and get your own hotel room. I need you to be at the building by noon. Make sure your uniform is pressed and clean. And if you're late, we may find you up to our discretion. That is what it's like to be a wrestler at the biggest organization's In the world right now. It's funny when I'm talking to like my glow actresses and other actors and actresses in Hollywood, and I explain this to them. They can't believe it. They're kind of flabbergasted and thinking that I'm like, like, really, is this really how it is? And I'm like, yes, it is. It really is that way. And it's weird that a $3.3 billion publicly traded company is still treating their wrestlers they're independent contractors this way in this day and age kind of strange now has wrestling come a long way since you know the 80s is my dad's era and since all of them well yeah sure absolutely but it definitely still has a long way to go so that is why I have Andrew Yang on this podcast today and not only that you're gonna hear what a really like just cool guy he is he's a guy that actually cares about making things better I believe and I really just had a good time talking to him and discussing a lot of other topics and just finding out more about what makes him tick, who his favorite wrestlers were when he was a kid and his favorite moments. So hold on tight. Next is Andrew Yang. Andrew, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and uh, coming on the podcast. I really appreciate uh, it. And uh, I was actually very surprised um, when I heard that you were a wrestling fan and that you had this stance on on the independent contractor status of professional wrestlers. So let's get right into it. What, what are your actual thoughts about it?
3: Well, you know better than anyone that we're decades overdue on having performers get treated more fairly and your family um has experienced it so directly i know you grew up in the business and we, we all saw what happened to uh eddie you know the the lifestyle you all endure uh it's really really punishing it, it seems i mean like you know talking to performers like like yourselves like I, I look at you and just think like wow chavo's been through so much over his career that um you know, makes it very, very hard to have like a healthy old age uh, and have a family too that stays whole um, while you're on the road so much during the year.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's not easy, you know, being on the road uh, as much as we are and, you know, trying to have a family life and all, all that, uh, you know, a normal life, I guess you'd call it, you know, it's definitely not easy being on the road like that. It's great, um, you know, if you're a young single guy, and, you know, that's what you're doing. You're traveling the world, making a little money. Hey, awesome. Great. But then once you, you know, all of a sudden you have, you know, try to better yourself and have a mortgage and you know, kids and family and retirement funds. And it's it's tough. It's not easy.
3: No. A- another thing that I saw you in was um, the special on Chris Benoit, uh, you know, and he was obviously very close to the family too. And th- there was something messed up about how, I mean, obviously, what he did uh, with his, with his family is like reprehensible and and terrible and tragic. Um, but expunging him from the history books was such like an odd, I you know not not to say that it is necessarily wrong, but uh, to me, uh, wrestling was such like a huge part of that story. You know what I mean? Like like that like it seemed a little bit one sided to me for them to present it like this person never existed or these terrible events didn't happen. Instead of digging in and saying, OK, uh, maybe there were some factors that had to do with that tragedy that uh, are deeper than one individual. Maybe it was something about, um, frankly, the way performers are supported or not supported. To, to me, like the, the incentives around what wrestlers go through, it's like if I'm a wrestler busting my ass, like I'm an independent contractor because they refuse to uh, name me an employee, so I don't have any security. Um, I feel like my spot is always in jeopardy. That they create an environment where if I get hurt and I need to heal, like I have no idea if I'm gonna get my spot back unless I'm one of the the top, top people. And, and so you wind up in this uh rhythm where you're like, Well, I guess I should like pop some painkillers and like get myself out there because uh, you know, like I, you know, you don't have much of a choice. Uh and you know, you, we've seen very tragic results from aspects of that. So, you know, that there, there's like a um, – what you described too, it's like it'd be one thing if there was some greater equity between wrestlers and employers where like wrestlers could actually say no and feel like, you know what, like my family needs me right now or you know what – like I've got a nagging injury, I'd really like to have recover so I can give the fans my best and the company my best. Uh, but, but that does not seem like the dynamic that exists in real life. Like instead, it's like this inequity and like a, a form what you just described, then it just made me think of like, you're almost like, um, in, in some kind of crazy indentured servitude, where it's like, oh, gosh, I've got like these bills to pay. And like, this is a, like, you know, this is the way I can pay them. And I don't really have much of a choice in the matter, except to, Um, push myself to levels that might not be um, uh, things that I I can you know that like the human body is designed to take
2: you know that's such a sticky subject and and I don't necessarily blame uh, WWE for treating Chris Benoit the way that, that they did after his death as far as kind of expunging him from the record books and almost pretending that he never even existed Um, It's just so tough, man, because of, you know, his ending acts, the heinousness of it. And just, you know, I I don't blame them for wanting to totally distance themselves from Chris. It just, it's tough because, you know, he's, he was my friend, you know, Nancy was my friend. It just, it's just such a tough situation. And it's, it's, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't in that one. But one thing that I think that did come out of that tragedy is the WWE really now looking into concussions and taking them very, very seriously because I guess, you know, the same as any other sport out there, or any other contact business, if you want to call it, that the way it used to be was you get your bell rung and just you go back out there and do it. And we just didn't know how dangerous the concussions actually were. And now with all the different impact testing that um, wwe does and other wrestling organi- organizations do and just the emphasis they put on protecting your head um you know if if anything did come out of of chris and, um, and just other people getting injured and just you know falling off uh i would have to say would just would be the concussion protocol but back to your other comment yeah it's definitely weird that you know we don't really have a say as far as in money things in wwe we don't really know how much we're going to get paid for for a match you know there's a lot of you know factors involved i get it but at the same time we don't we're not privy to those those factors we don't really know there was times when i was wrestling on a on a show and um you know i would just get paid the same amount no matter what it was like it just whatever they valued you at but what what constitute their value of you so that's it's just it's just really strange to be able to know what you're going to get paid and what other business is that actually happening you know my plumber knows exactly how much he's going to get paid he's an independent contractor you know when he comes over to my house it's like if you want me to do the job this is how much it is i mean there was times when I went in after like a pay per view, like wrestling Ray Mysterio, I walked into Johnny Ace's office, John Laurinaitis, who was the head of talent relations at the time, and asked him and said, "Look, you know, I think that we should have been paid more." And that time, he kind of went over the books, whatever, and kind of agreed and said, "Yep, you're right, sure," and uh, you know, paid us more. Well, there was times that we'd do it, and they'd say, "No, I think you're that's what you should be you should be paid." And um, there's this story with you know Chris Jericho that. I know it's a you know famous story. He's talked about it. Well, that he was on a main event of a WrestleMania, and he was the champion. And he, wrestled Triple H, um later when he found out that Triple H made, you know, like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars more than he did. I don't know the exact number, just kind of throwing the number out there. But I know it was an extreme amount. He was like so upset. He walked into vince's office and talked to jr at the time jim ross who was the head of talent relations and was like insulted and said you know i i I need more money this is not right i was a champion you know they tried to kind of come back and prove their point and in the end right there vince mcmahon was like jr cut him a check so they cut him a good size check i don't know exactly how much but i know they did which is um
3: that i mean that's bizarre too when you're like look if i hadn't stormed into your office like i got paid one hundred fifty thousand dollars less than the next guy and so it makes you think like shit should i have been storming into this office (laughs) you know like like some other matches too chris and i talked on his podcast the other day uh and 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 he said something that i thought was very interesting where he said look i was in a movie (laughs) mcgruber and they still send me checks He's like, I, I was main eventing WrestleMania and on all these matches of the WWE Network, they don't send me anything. And, and I, I was like, well, if you look at the value that they're getting from uh, archived matches from Chris, from you, from like you know all of these other performers over the years, and then you look at the amount they're generating in the WWE Network, people should be getting residuals from that. You know what I mean? But, but you sign like this contract where it's like, now nah, we own that stuff. Um, you know in other industries uh performers have fought for various residuals and royalties the way that that Chris was talking about it They're like yeah i got a random 27 check from mcgruber <laughs> you know it's like meanwhile like like the bulk of his works obviously in the WWE network
2: yeah i know it's crazy that Chris is getting residuals from a movie that he did you know what it was 10 years ago and not getting in residuals from WWE on the WWE network, you know, now being part of a union, you know, the screen actors guild, I see just, just how it's just so much different treated in wrestling. And not that a union is the end all be all of things, you know, but still we have somebody looking out for us. And I see just the difference um, in whether you're, you know, still 1099 at a time, independent contractors at times, but you're, taking care of you have somebody looking out you have a union looking out for your your best interest and you know i know exactly how much i'm getting paid i know exactly when my you know my lunch is i know my my turnaround basically saying that you have to uh get an x amount of time off after you finish shooting before you can come back you know so many different you know factors involved that you know the screen actors guild actually takes care of
3: yeah there there are three lenses that you could take when you look at professional wrestling uh so one of them would be pro sports, where you're like, hey, this is pro sports. And that's the Dak Prescott Deck Prescott example. And there you have uh, collective bargaining. You do have unions. You have athletes getting 50% of the overall revenue um, and a ton of protections. So that's version number one, wrestling as sport. Number two, you have wrestling as filmed entertainment. So then you have Screen Actors Guild <laughs> and uh, residuals and transparency and negotiation and all of these, these rules around it and then you have the reality we're dealing with now which is um, wrestling as the um, modern inheritor of like carny days where it just it was like no rules do whatever the heck you want I'm a promoter I come up with some arrangement uh, and then uh, we hope that I live up to my arrangement <laughs> and, oh, I call you all independent contractors because uh, then I don't have to provide any health care, retirement benefits, family leave, uh, paid time off. I don't have any legal responsibility. So that's the that's the world we're in right now. But everyone can see very clearly that WWE has much, much more control over people's activities than would... Uh, be legitimately the case under a genuine independent contractor relationship where one of the things that's set me off down this uh, trail recently is a performer reached out to me about WWE saying, can't use Cameo, can't use Twitch, can't use these three-party, third-party platforms because you're representing the company in that context too. Uh, and, And that was just one example of how uh, that the, it's a fiction that they call people independent contractors because uh, in what world does a company have so much control over things that you do and say and wear uh, and, and how you act when you're theoretically not even, quote-unquote, working or not even like on, on duty?
2: Yeah, it's definitely weird when I have a company that I'm supposed to be an independent contractor in and they're telling me what I can wear, when I got to wear it, uh, getting fined if I don't wear it, you know. In fact, I know um, a referee that was there from before that actually got fired. Now, this is from his mouth. I wasn't there in the room, but got fired from the WWE for violating the dress code because he had a KISS t-shirt on walking around. And they're like, you know, you should be in business casual. And he's like, oh, sorry, I, I would put it on this. Oh, we're just going we to have to let you go for that. So... You know, there could have been some other underlying reasons or whatever. You know, that that's the reason that they gave him for getting fired for a dress code violation.
3: It's time to come out of the dark ages, Chavo. And I'm, I'm grateful to you for um, reaching out to me so we could have this conversation. I am eager to help modernize the treatment of performers so that they're more in sync with the reality. Um, with also the right thing to do um, where wwe it's worth 3.3 billion the mcmahon's are billionaires like at at this point they they should just stand up and be like you know what we've been made extraordinarily wealthy by the blood sweat and tears of all these performers it's time for us to modernize the way we treat these performers uh you know and we'll leave a bit of money on the table say la vie like at least we'll know that we did the right thing uh you know i mean it's it's years uh past the time when they should have done that. And the fact that they have not done that means that we may have to uh, step in and and have the government say that this misclassification has been going on for far too long, which is something that I'm eager to do. Uh, and uh, you know, I may be part of the new administration in, in uh, some capacity um, uh, where we can help make these changes, but I- I'm, I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to be connected with you. And I'd love to learn more about some of the things that you saw and experienced, uh, over your years. Cause you've seen the entire industry, um, you know, from, from angles that most of us only read about.
2: Absolutely, man. I'd love to help and be connected, you know, to this cause, you know, definitely inform you more and talk more about it. I'm sure we'll get off of this and wrap a little bit more for sure. That's something that I think is just long overdue. Like you think. And it's, I think it's time for a change.
3: Yeah, just look, if you looked at it, again, the dollars and cents, you look at it and say, okay, what are the economic costs? Am I making you employees and giving you contracts that are um, more accurate? You know, times 100 performers in any given year, like, you know, they can easily bear that cost. Um, So it's going to be interesting how we accomplish this, Chavo. Uh, There are going to be a few different paths that i already have in mind (laughs) i don't want to give away the 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 part too much um but but what but one of the yeah yeah.
2: don't do that don't give away your master plan
3: (laughs) but but one of the interesting ingredients is former performers so here's the deal if i'm one of like the 100 current wwe performers it's kind of hard for me to make too much of a stink because that they'll you know kick me to the curb they'll uh, limit my opportunities. They'll, they'll generally just make my life miserable. And, and like, I, I've been working my tail off for years to try and get into the position I'm at. So like, I don't want to, um, to run afoul of the, of the McMahons and, and be talking to, you know, like the government about how people are being mistreated. Like, you know, I, I also know that's not the culture because the, like the culture is, um, uh, is that, you know, you're like the best in the world and like incredibly self-reliant. And they tell you that it's like a team effort. And so like it's going to feel like you're going against the, 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 the grain. But there's a whole category of people. Um, and I guess you might be in this category of former performers who are all like, enough is enough. Uh, And I have tons of former performers reaching out to me saying, look, anything I can do to help, like I'm on board because this stuff is wrong.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that anybody who is not with the WWE anymore, is not under that blanket, you know, they're going to tell you like it really is. And they're not going to sit there and not want to jeopardize their job or, you know, don't bite the hand that feeds you. But now that they're not with the WWE and they're not being fed by the WWE, they're going to tell you what they really think.
3: No, comparing it to the NFL is is, is right because, you know, the NFL now takes concussions much more seriously than they did. I mean, are, are they doing enough? They're doing more. Uh, that's good. Comparing it to old-time Hollywood, also very apt. Uh, you know, we have to try and drag wrestling into the 21st century in my mind. Um, uh, and one of the fascinating things about this story, Chavo, to me, Is how the mainstream media completely ignores professional wrestling. Like the whole thing just blows my mind. It's like a multi billion dollar enterprise with some of the top ratings on cable and everyone just looks the other way like it doesn't exist. Like it's right before our very eyes.
2: Yeah, it's very much like that. I mean, we got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of steam uh, on our side from the John Oliver special, you know, when he talked about on his show uh, Late Night with John Oliver and talked about the discrepancies in. You know, in the independent contractor s- status of wrestlers, you know.
3: Well, that, that's one of the th- the ways these changes happen. Javo is like, uh, is you have press, and press helps with awareness and the rest of it. Um, but let's say you have the McMahons, and they're they're making an extra X million a year from misclassifying workers. Uh, and so the the question is, how do you make it so that it's easier for them to start treating people the way they should be treated, rather than continuing to mistreat them? Uh, uh, and people end up responding to their incentives. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like the WWE has a playbook where anytime negative press comes their way, they just say, well, we'll just hunker down and let it blow over and, uh, people will forget about it. And it's wrestling, you know, it's like, like, like no one really will, will dig that hard into it. Um, so I agree with you like that. That's the playbook. Um, the, the thing that they're going to see on this one is, uh, is that one, it's well past time. Uh, the public understands the practices and the abuses that have been going on. I can tell you that the based upon the folks reaching out to me, there are a lot of folks who really want to see things change. You know, like it, it's it's no longer like this marginal thing. It's like a lot of people, like you, are looking at it, being like, "Okay, enough's enough," uh, uh, and you know, we need to just make it so it, it's the. Um, it's easier for them to change than to not change. You know what I mean? Like you have to try and create like enough pressure and incentives where it becomes like an easier choice for them. Uh, but but that, that's one of the things that people under, underestimate all the time. And we're seeing it in different aspects of American life right now where people think like, oh, if we talk about this stuff, then like they'll change their ways. Um, uh, and that's not really the way these organizations work. Like, uh, you know, these organizations are looking up being like, well, it's worth millions of, of dollars to me not to change. Uh, and so, uh, you know, like they're going to get, they're going to have to get dried, kicking and screaming probably. Um, one of the things that I hold out hope for is that um, they'll see the writing on the wall and, and say like, well, we're going to do the right thing before we're forced to do the right thing because then at least we can take credit.
2: <laughs> I mean, we don't really care how it happens as long as it happens. If, um, like the drug testing, when they implied that, you know, we had some wrestlers dying, including my uncle. So, you know, they implemented the drug testing protocol. So, you know, and I don't know if it was just to safe face, but... You know, it was very coincidental that finally these guys are dying and getting this huge press and making, you know, bad press of WWE. Then they're implementing this, um, you know, heart scans and, you know, checking your heart health, concussion scans, you know, and um, your impact testing and your drug testing. It's just, you know, it's very coincidental. But whatever it is, it's just good that it's happening because now you have – wrestlers are being taken care of a little bit more and you know I'm, I'm all for that
3: yeah i'm i'm eager to get in there and try and make these changes Chavo. i'll definitely reach out to you um yes definitely please uh, do you know uh, like uh, as we make progress but the, the the thing i'm going to share now it's probably like out for your listeners uh is I, i'm passionate about this because i grew up with you and eddie and chris and like all, all like all these folks that you know performed on my tv you know, I will say something, and I I hope you you take this the right way or whatever. Like I was so used to you being the young one, <laughs> you know, when, like now when I realized that you and I are like about the same age. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? Like, you know, we we really uh, you know, time is time has passed on us faster than, <laughs> than I realized. Chavo grew
2: but, up with me. Yeah, we're, we're the same age. <laughs> you know, in doing research uh, on you a lot and uh, before we got here, we have a lot in common because I too was very young for my grade and immature at the same time you know late bloomer you know i was a 16 year old senior in high school you know so i see that you are too and and i think that's just kind of why i am the way i am that you don't ever ever lose that you always it pushes you to try harder try harder and so finally when you get able to do something about it that you kind of do something about it you know so i don't know if that's something you feel too
3: i was also the little guy as you you found in your research, where. Uh, I remember being the little guy. It, it's funny now, Chavo, where now I'm uh, more of like an establishment figure, but I still feel very much on the outside. Like I don't think you really lose that stuff, you know what I mean? I mean, uh, And you know, maybe this is one reason why I want to fight for wrestlers so bad is I think like wrestlers are on the outside too, in like like your own way. Uh, where, where yeah, that where, where the, it's like its own world. like a world that exists independent of this other world and like in some circles people still don't understand it or don't appreciate it or look down on it or say like oh it's fake and, and and the rest of it uh and it's funny to say this about people who are so well trained and athletic and imposing and the rest of it but like i genuinely feel like the wrestlers are the little guy in this situation you know what i mean like you and you have this billion dollar company running roughshod on them uh, uh, and what you said about family is so profound because I've seen it in other walks of life and entrepreneurship and the rest of it. It's like shit changes when you have a family, you know. <laughs> like all of a sudden you have you have kids and the rest of it. And like your responsibilities go from zero to ten pretty quick, and then you're like, wait a minute, like the the, the stuff I was doing like a few years ago, really doesn't make as much sense now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You start thinking for not just yourself, you have to think for others now. So your decisions make, you know, they definitely change. You're not just going out and buying the the big car and stuff. No, Now you're thinking, well, I got this mortgage and I got to put these kids through college and, you know, all the other things that I got to close the clothe them and you know all the other things that go along with it you know
3: (laughs) yeah like i have real responsibilities now like people are gonna
2: (laughs) yeah i know right
3: you know it's wild for me chavo because i've made some very big choices you know professionally where it's like i'm gonna run for president like i'm gonna like leave my family like and maybe there's another reason why i relate to wrestlers like i was on the road for you know four days a week for two years and the rest of it you know what i mean yeah so you get it Uh, and it's been funny it's that like as my responsibilities have ticked up uh, like I, it's almost like my career has been like uh, growing, and my responsibilities have been growing, and like they, they were just lined up enough where I could do what I did. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there were times that I was like, like, whoa! I'm like glad I was in position to make that decision because uh, the right decision. You know, when you have that much responsibility, sometimes the right decision is to like pull it back.
2: Yeah, man. Well, I'm I'm gonna hold you to it. You know, I know you're you're saying this, and we get so tired of politicians are always saying all these grand ideas and, you know, they get elected and then you never hear from them again. You know, you never hear about that idea again. So I'll, we'll definitely, I'll I'll check back in with you on that, man. I'm going to hold you to it, man.
3: That's the other part of it, Chavo, is no one, no one fact checks anyone on stuff after the fact either. You know, what I mean? like it's like that. Like they said it, and then they get elected, and everyone's like, forget they said it. So you can you can feel free to hold me to this. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't consider myself really a politician in that regard, <laughs> but it does infuriate me that like no one no one's actually checking up on anything. Like like it's one of the reasons why we're doing so badly, is that uh, like the. Um, politicians come in and they say this stuff and then you know it's like uh like no one's really getting judged upon whether like the policies are working really uh you know it's like getting filtered through media and the, the rest of it where um like things have not been working for a lot of people for a long time um and like we we need to be better about saying like look i'm going to do this thing and then we check and be like did you do this thing first we have to give you the power to do the thing and and that's another problem because a lot in a lot of these cases, like you know, a lot of the a lot of these elected officials, it's wild where, um, like sometimes they're not even able to do the things that they they say they're going to do. Uh, so we have to give you the ability, but then we have to check up and say like, well, like, did you deliver, and then were the results, uh, you know, uh, what we'd hoped for. But I'm I'm with you in, I'm with you in the the fact that, um, I'm not going away. Uh, this issue is gonna. Like only go away if we make it better, uh, and so please do hold me accountable to it. Um, you know, even though I haven't been elected to anything just yet, but <laughs> but but it, but it's but it, but it's something, but it's but it's something I'm very excited to do, and like it will it will give me joy and pride uh, to to make the, this change, and I can see it clearly in my mind's eye, Chavo, where the the folks who are inside are gonna be like looking at it, being like, "Huh, I wonder if anything is gonna change," but they're gonna keep their heads down because that's what. Ninety-nine point nine nine percent of humans would do in their situation. <laughs> so, so we, yeah. but but they're gonna be looking around, being like, I wonder, like have like a side eye, being like, I wonder if this is gonna go like in another direction, uh, and and then we're, then we're gonna make it go another direction. They're gonna have their head up, and then there, there's gonna be like an acknowledgement, uh, like we can't ask anyone to be a martyr. We can't ask anyone to like risk their career. Um, on this, you know, it's funny. It's like, I'll take the, you know, I'll take the risk. Like, you know, I don't work for Vince. <laughs> uh, me either.
2: <laughs> like, uh- <laughs> on, on a side note, uh, what did you think about that uh, first debate?
3: It was rough going Chavo. It was, uh, it was rough, but I, I've tried to have a positive outlook where, um, you know, it didn't change the dynamic of the race and, uh, the dynamic of the race has been trending towards Joe for quite some time because, um, Trump has been botching things right and left, and you know, and so I feel like the debate was kind of a microcosm of that, where you looked up and were like, "What am I, am I seeing here?" I'm not sure. Many people looked at that and said, "Sign me up for four more years of this of this guy." Like <laughs> I don't think that was like the 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 vibe that a lot of people got. Um, so despite the difficulty of the uh, experience for viewers, uh, I actually came away from it kind of positive.
2: You know, I was, um, I watched the whole thing and uh, was kind of, man, I was kind of insulted just by the way, you know, they weren't even debating except, you know, especially we know who, were just arguing and not proving any points. And it was just like, you know, as a voter and under, there's a lot of undecided voters out there. They wanted to hear the candidates, what they're running on and what they're actually thinking about their, their, their policies you know, one was trying to say something and then the other one was arguing and then this one got caught up in the argument. And man, it was just, I, I thought it was just very, just, just just, horrible, just insulting to the American voters.
3: Yeah, it was that, Chavo. And you're right, this race is essentially baked. Um, I, depending upon where you look at it, 70 to 90% of people have their minds made up already. Uh, you're, you're talking about a very, very small batch of undecideds. I have a feeling even the undecideds Know how they're gonna vote. Honestly, it's you know so 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 um yeah so uh you hope for better um I just hope we can turn the page get this behind us I'm obviously for Joe and Kamala and um there's a chance I'll be part of the administration uh, if Joe and Kamala win and so I can so I can do some of these things that you and I are discussing uh, and if it's not me directly one of the things that I'm finding to be the case. Is that I can contact the person I need to contact pretty easily, uh, it, which is also kind of fun. So even if I'm not directly like uh, you know like that person, I'm gonna be able to call a person and be like, "Hey, have you looked at what's going on with the, the designation of pro wrestlers and, uh, as independent contractors? I think that's really not kosher at all." Uh, so we're, we're going to get this done one way or another, but uh, I will say from my perspective, my job will be easier if Joe and Kamala are in the white house and, and I can, I I can call either one of those two, like, you know, like, like, uh, like that, (laughs) so, so
2: (laughs) that must be nice. Uh, so we do a little thing here on suplexes and cervezas where we, um, I give some rapid fire questions. You know, you just kind of give your quick answers, what you really, you know, what you think. It's just something for your fans to kind of just get to know you a little bit more. So, um, you down? You want to to play?
3: Yeah, sure. Let's do it.
2: Okay. Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair?
3: Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to choose the third option and say Macho Man Randy Savage. I was definitely not a Hogan guy. And, uh, uh, but Ric Flair... Um, I didn't appreciate him as much as other people appreciated him. I was always like, why does everyone love this dude so much? Like I, I
2: <laughs> Well that was my next question. Was Macho Man Randy Savage or Ricky the Dragon Steamboat?
3: I was a huge fan of both those guys. Uh you know, like I, I loved them both. During that match, the like the great WrestleMania 3 match, which was one of the formative matches of my childhood. Uh, I was pulling for Ricky uh, Steamboat. But over the course of their careers, I became an enormous Macho Man fan, especially after he became champion. And then I was like, finally, we're done with this Hogan nonsense. And then um, and then Hogan got the title back. And I was like, no. And then there was this weird period where Vince was trying to retire Randy. And I was like, why isn't Randy main eventing anymore? They had him like announcing the whole thing. It was bizarre. Yeah, it was weird. I was like, this, this man could still freaking like be the champ what, what's going on here but yeah so huge huge randy um macho man savage fan
2: yeah that was such an like, iconic match you know for both of those guys
3: yeah more wrestling questions though i want to see how, how i do keep going
2: demolition or the road warriors
3: um road warriors for sure lod slash road warriors
2: were you a rockers fan or a British Bulldogs. Wow,
3: family. I mean, I'm a huge Shawn Michaels fan now, uh, from everything he's accomplished. But I love the British Bulldogs. Davy Boy Smith, that one was tragic. the The fact that he passed so quickly, was, is you know, um, terrible to me. That family, you know, had a rough go for a while. I, you know, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time was Owen Hart. I thought Owen Hart was tremendous.
2: You know, I never met Owen. We, uh, you know, always knew the same people, but um, we're just in or- different organizations and we never crossed paths. But, um, you know, everybody really speaks fondly of Owen. I mean, so much.
3: He seemed like a great guy, too. You know, just a just a random wrestling observation. that. Uh, so I remember when Brett left the WWE to go to WCW. And uh, Davey Boy Smith and Jim Neidhardt went with him. But for whatever reason, like, they were nowhere near, like, the main event picture. They would just show up randomly and do, like, random things. And I was like... Why would you not like just like literally these were guys who were like running WWE like last month, (laughs) Like, like, like Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation. And then all of a sudden like Neidhart and Davey Boy Smith, are like doing like freaking like random TV matches with nobody.
2: You know, WCW just had so many people on under contract. It's like they were trying to sign people so that they wouldn't go to the WWE. So, you know, you had guys like, you know, Anvil and, and, and Davey Boy Smith that, came over and just, you know, kind of just made their money and, you know, did a few matches here and there. And, you know, they weren't near the big draws that they were in, um, in WWE, but it wasn't their fault. They just weren't used.
3: I just remember as a fan watching that, I was like, that was just a weird, I was like, that's weird. Um, so as you can tell, like I, I was kind of a heart foundation guy too.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, the heart foundation were great. You know, I got a, a really cool, quick uh, Bret Hart story so you know Bret Hart was the champion in the WWF at the time and then left there and came over to WCW and when he did you know everybody had their own dressing rooms you know all the big stars you know you had Hogan his own and Lex Luger and Sting and the NWO had theirs Goldberg has he had his you know so of course You know, Bret Hart could have had his own dressing room with just him in there. But he was dressing by us, like by, you know, like me, Eddie, Benoit, Jericho, Steve Regal, Finley, a whole bunch of other people. But he was he was sitting there dressing by us right next to us. So years later, when I was in WWE at the time and Bret had come back, I asked him, I go, why, man? Why didn't you just get your own dressing room like everybody else? And he was like, well. You guys were the ones having the really good matches, so I wanted to be close to you guys, so that if we wrestled, you know, you guys would trust me, and we could all have some good matches together. So I really thought that was kind of a cool compliment, and uh, just shows you what kind of guy Brett, you know, is. He's just, he's a super just a great guy, super cool guy, and uh, just you know just a real guy.
3: That's a good Bret Hart story.
2: Yeah, he was he was a good guy. Okay, next question. Jake the Snake Roberts. Or Jimmy Superfly Snooker?
3: Obviously, Jake the Snake Roberts on on multiple levels. Uh, yeah, so Jake the Snake, and I, I guess I'll leave it there as to like why I feel like that one's so easy.
2: Yeah, yeah, we we'll, we we'll just we'll leave that there. We won't we won't touch that. Okay, last one, uh, Ultimate Warrior Gosh. or Roddy Piper.
3: I was never a Warrior guy. Um, Roddy Piper. His appeal didn't quite work on me either, <laughs> honestly. But but if you had but if you had to choose between those two, I would choose Roddy Piper, um, because I just found the Warrior to be um, just one-dimensional and annoying, uh, you know, and, and yeah, just not very interesting.
2: So you caught on quick to the uh, just running into the ring and shaking the ropes, and uh, not really being able to wrestle or whatever.
3: If you couldn't, if you couldn't wrestle, I was unlikely to be a fan of yours. So as you can tell, like I did not like Hogan, I did not like Warrior. Um, I I did like uh like the workers, people like you, um, who were, were really talented and and uh, proficient in the ring, and that doesn't describe Piper either. I mean, like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, Andrew, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, man. I I really appreciate you taking the time again out of your out of your day to uh talk to all the fans from suplexes and Cerveces. i know you're a busy guy so i don't want to keep you all day long but again i really really appreciate it and uh and we'll be in touch i'm sure we will be
3: thanks javo all the best to you and yours have a great time out in australia and yeah we're gonna get some great things done together brother
2: awesome man i look forward to it i look forward to talking to you again
3: keep an eye out for sure
2: and there you have it my interview with andrew yang Looks like we'll be getting some things done in wrestling here in in the future, I hope. And I hope we'll just make wrestling better for everybody. Better for the wrestlers, better for the fans, and better for the promoters. It's just, that's what happens when you make wrestling better. Everybody wins. So, again, thank you to Andrew Yang. Great guy. We really do have a lot in common. And uh, just really cool talking to him, you know, and I'm sure we'll be uh, working together again. On that note, Viva La Raza!
1: Yeah, socks can't move shot a guerrero tequila, then I start wrecking shop like Bon Jovi Star, step atrás. like Roberto Duran, you'll be staying on Mars. Round the outside, see you round the outside. If I don't catch you here, then I'll see you outside. Then I'll snoop frog you and drop you like a hot. And break your ass off like a crooked ass car See, this is the part where your face beats the ground. Step up, jump up, and get